Thank you, brother, for that. Thankful to be here. Um, certainly been a long time since we've been together. So many faces and so many here and uh, enjoying in this time of fellowship and, and praising God and worshiping together and studying his word. And this afternoon, before we would open God's word together, let's bow our heads in prayer to him. Father in heaven, we come before you this second time, Lord, this afternoon hour to once again open up your holy living word, the scriptures that have been preserved down through the ages, Lord, and available even to us this day. And we ask, Lord, that as we have been fed physically, having shared a sweet lunch together, we ask now again a feeding a spiritual feeding. We ask for your provision and your hand and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as we would open up this Bible and would examine the scripture that has been laid before us. We pray that the Spirit would teach and that the Spirit would also give me strength and clarity of mind that I might express, Lord, what it is that you would ultimately have for us, that all that would be said would be shared in sincerity and in truth, and in accordance with Scripture, and in accordance with your will. We are thankful, Father, for this day, and thankful for this time, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> this afternoon, I desire to turn to an Old Testament uh, passage of Scripture, as the theme is certainly found in the Old Testament in the Psalms, in Psalm 4610. Um, I confess it was a bit, time, the time for me to figure out what exactly the Lord would have us to examine um, this afternoon. I, I found myself sticking with a verse that is found in Lamentations. So in Lamentations chapter 3 is where I'd like to begin. <clears throat> Maybe not the place that you might have expected to be reading from this afternoon on such a beautiful day, but I think if you bear with me and the Lord would provide, we might see his purposes in this. Lamentations chapter 3, just a few verses in this chapter, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old, and he hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about, that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait, and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow 
and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Amen. I'd like to end with verse 26. As I considered the theme of this weekend, found in Psalm 46, verse 10, Thinking of the message even this morning, as some of you were here, hope, actually majority of you were here, there are certainly some, some extra that have joined us. And in, in, in looking at this theme of being still and knowing that I am God, this, this commandment, this statement made by the living God, our triune God, and I, lot, I thought about the theme, and, and, and Brother Ronnie touched on, expounded actually quite a bit on the sovereignty of God and how that, that verse speaks to God's majesty and his sovereignty and his rule over creation, over the heavens and the earth. And it's my desire this afternoon to, to sort of continue on in that theme And I really would like us to focus specifically on this this verse found, the 23rd verse found in chapter 3. That the Lord is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. This verse that is found in, in probably one of the most darkest chapters, one of the most horrible books, this this time, this lament of Jeremiah the prophet, this statement, this, this confession of the weeping prophet during this lament that he makes is a profound statement. And we certainly think of faithfulness and and those of of us who have have been born and raised in the church and have 
have spent the majority of our life, you know, this, this word faithfulness is part of our everyday vocabulary, specifically in the church. But it's not something that we use every day, that, that we would go about our daily lives as we would converse with people that we work with or that we go to school with or, or those of our neighbors and friends. We don't often use that word, faithfulness. In many cases, it's, it's rather the, the unfaithfulness seeing in action that is pervasive in our society. It is the unfaithfulness that we see both in marriages and in business, in ethical behaviors, done in secret, in unethical behaviors, done in secret in businesses, in those of, uh, uh, by men of affluence. And we see even those who are unfaithful to even the Word of God. The sufficiency and the authority of the Word of God. Even within the church, there is unfaithfulness. And as we look at this theme, and I, I want us to examine the context that this verse comes, because that is truly what makes it so significant. And we see that faithfulness is a, is a recurring theme in the Bible. As we would read God's word, we, we see God's faithfulness throughout all the scripture. And I, I would just like to, for the sake of, of bearing testimony to that, I just want to read a few verses. I'm not asking you to follow along with me, but just, just try to listen. Starting in Deuteronomy 7.9, it says this, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. This faithfulness of God is conveyed from generation to generation. In 1 Kings 8.56, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. His word is faithful. Then the psalmist says in, in Psalm 36, 5, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. The vastness of the faithfulness of God is displayed and, and proclaimed in the Psalms. And then as we move into the New Testament, Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The faithfulness of God in the work that he has performed through his Son that we might be able to have restored fellowship with him. I'm going to keep going. 1 Peter 4.19, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. The faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of his sovereign rule over the creation, 
that in Jesus all things consist and hold together. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast that profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And lastly, in Revelation 19.11, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. The faithfulness of God is a theme that runs through the course of the scriptures. And as God reveals himself to us, as we would read and study it, this theme of God's faithfulness and his control in all circumstances should cause us to be still, to rest in the promises of God, and to know that He is who He says He is. As I said, this verse, verse 23, it comes in, in a context that is so dark this affliction by the rod of his wrath as, the, as, as he begins, as Jeremiah begins to lament. And, and this is actually a poem, an acrostic, and he, he, re, he, he reiterates the affliction and the pain that the children of Israel are experiencing, being dragged into captivity by the Babylonians and, and all the, the, the evilness that, that Nebuchadnezzar did upon the children, God's chosen people, his children. And it is as a result of their sin and disobedience in God's righteousness and in, his, and in His judgment, it is He who is performing this. And this statement, it, it's, it's like a, I thought about this as I was studying, you know, when we go into a dark room or into a darker cave, and you have just but a small maybe candle or, or, or a lighter or something like that. You know, it is so, it is so insignificantly bright, you know, when we, when we may be in this room. But as we move into the darkness, then that light can be seen from far distances. And it is comforting. And this word is, is and I'm not going to go through all of the things that he, that he describes, but as we read it together, it is, it is a time of hopelessness and despair. And the prophet is brought to the lowest point. It is a hopeless despair, this, this context. In this series of laments, and we look at the, the result that the result of God's judgment on God's people. And, and, you know, even if we look at the first, first chapter, as Jeremiah speaks, you know, he says in chapter 1, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above, 
hath he sent fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against me. He hath spread a net for my feet. He hath turned me back. He hath made me desolate and faint all the day. It's such a great mystery, but it is, it is God, God's working according to his will that he might bring his people back to their senses and that he would not skirt judgment because if he did skirt judgment in the sense of, of this foretold event that would occur, that they would be brought into captivity, then he wouldn't be who he says he is. And he brings them, them through this time and, and, and the fact that we can rest on knowing that the Lord who has caused this who has, who has declared his judgment, both in the cause he is, he is able to resolve. And it is better to be within the will of God and yet in, in despair and in, and in sorrow and in grief than to be in, in, in happiness and in and in prosperity, but yet outside of the will of God. And that's exactly what is, what is happening here, that Jeremiah has, has personalized this account. He was not the only man experiencing this. This was brought upon upon a nation. This was the entire nation, the, the, the children that were taken away into captivity, the children of Israel. And he speaks from a personal sense, and that's why it can be practic practical for us to even understand that, that we, too, perhaps in disobedience and in, and in sin, may feel that we are brought low to the point that we would confess our sin before God. And especially those of us who have not made right with God in the sense that we have not claimed him as our personal savior, that we have not confessed that we believe and that we have been born again. And even as, as Brother Ronnie touched, that the, the conscience at night as, as we might lay our head down on the pillow, it screams and the guilt is there. Unless it's been seared. God forbid that that has happened. But the conscience speaks of, of the affliction by the rod of his wrath, his righteous judgment. And as we read this, you know, just some of the words that I had circled in my Bible, the, the darkness, you know, that, that he turneth his hand against me and he's made old and had broken my bones and, and uh, you know, come past me with bitterness, with, with gall and, and tribulation. He's made my chain heavy. Like I said, this dark picture, he's described here as a metaphor, as a, as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. And all of this, all of this backdrop, this context, you know, we see that eventually in verse 18, he says, I said my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. 
And then we read just a few verses more. And all of a sudden, a transition, a great shift from, from no hope of hopelessness and a turning and a recalling of all that he knows of God, of all that he knows of who he is and what he has done, he recalls to his mind and he goes from hopelessness and there's this silver lining that, that, that starts as it, as it kind of builds as you go from verse 19 through down through 26 that we read. And he says, you know, this I recall to my mind. I recall to my mind. What is he recalling? He's recalling all that he knows of God's character, all of God's faithfulness that he has observed, both in, in the practical sense, having seen it physically, but also in the scriptures. And having the Lord speak to him, Knowing all that he knows of the Lord, he brings that to bear. He, he brings that to his mindset. And he doesn't, he doesn't ig- become ignorant to the situation. And that's what I love about Christianity so much, is that it is, it is dealing with reality. We are not superficial. It deals with the issues of man. It deals with the heart of the problem, which is our hearts, which is our fallen nature. And God in his sovereign will and in his, and in his judgment, is this, this is a seedbed of hope. He brings his people, and Jeremiah speaks a word of truth, and he says... It is because of what I remember and what I recall and what I bring to mind. All that I understand of God, I bring that to bear. It is a willful, reasoned thought. And this is why even Paul, in his writings, he speaks of the renewed mind. In 2 Corinthians 10.15, he says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, everything that is contrary to our understanding of God, to to God's word, as he has revealed himself to us to bring it into subjection that we too might have hope that we might understand and he says the Lord's mercies it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not his love and his mercies are shown And as we read, you know, Psalm 46, and we look at the theme, those who are right with God ought not to fear because God is our refuge. And even those of us who are right with God and have been disobedient, 
to God's word, to his laws, to his ways, and to the sanctifying work in our life. If we have been disobedient, you know, even in that state, the Lord is merciful. He is compassionate. He desires to restore us. And you look and you see this portion of Scripture, and he says, after all of that, that they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. We know that song well. Maybe that's all we know of this verse. We see that that verse often used, it's quite, quite a memorable verse. But it is so much more memorable when we understand the context of where that verse comes in. Truly, it is significant because of this. And we see that he is confident in the covenant love of God as he recalls to mind all these things that he knows of him. Paul did much the same. If you remember in Acts 27, when he was on his way to Italy with other prisoners, and, you know, when all things were lost, when all hope was lost, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken then away, He's speaking of the time, well, Luke is recording for us, of the time when he and Paul and others experienced time on the Mediterranean, sailing and coming against a hurricane and being stuck in this tempest for many days. I think it's, it, it, we see in verse 27 that on the 14th day, they were still in it. And when all hope was lost, what does Paul say? He said in verse 23, he said oh, in, in verse 22, you know, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Who is he speaking to? All the men that were there. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given the all them that sail with thee. And he's, he's saying this and he says, you know, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. I believe what the Lord said when he said to me in Acts chapter 23. You know, and after this, the, the great discord that happened there and, and they thought that he would be torn into pieces and they take him and then, and then the Lord visits him and he makes this promise to him. You know, and you, you may sit here and you may say, well, you know, the Lord came to him. Of course, of course he would have confidence. You know, the, the Lord spoke to him. He visited him. And so he had foresight. But we have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Father because of what Christ has done. We have the same ability 
to recall to mind in those desperate situations in our life. Whatever the case might be, that we can recall to mind God's promises and remember and believe on him that he will provide. Not necessarily a way out. They were in the ship and they, he recalls this to mind and they still had to continue on. They still had to continue to the point of, of which the, the ship is lost. And God's provision in those times is that he would continue to provide in that time. And so it is important that we would bring to bear all that we understand of God, all of his covenant promises, his faithfulness, that we would bring that to bear, recall to mind, that we too might have hope, and that we might confess that he is Lord and his mercies and his compassions fail not. This chapter also speaks not only of a, of a hope that is renewed in the moment, but there is an essence of the ultimate hope, of the ultimate, the, the saving grace that is offered through Jesus Christ. And we don't have to look far. We didn't read it, but he said, you know, in verse 30, he says, He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled with reproach. Who is that? Who does that remind you of? Chapter 3, the first verse we read. I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Who is that man? Who is the man? Isaiah 53, we can go together. Fifty-three, three, or sorry, um, fifty-three, three. Yeah, he is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. He was the same man, the man that was rejected, the ultimate man, and and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted. I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It pleased the Lord. And the only reason that Jeremiah and any of us can say that we have hope is because of what Christ has done, what God has done with his Son and in his Son that he has made a way that we would not be consumed. That his mercy and his compassion, his ultimate care 
for the people of Israel and, and for, for those of us here even today, his ultimate care, his ultimate example of care was found on the cross. And in his son, in his beloved son, that he might take the full wrath of God, that he might bear it all. And even as we were reminded this morning, the, the beauty of that, that we did not get what we deserved, that by God's grace and his love, that we might have redemption through his son, and that only when we come to the, to the realization and when the law is presented to us, when we come to the realization of our, of our hopeless state, then and only then does the good news of the gospel ring out to us. My prayer this afternoon is that if you have not yet been brought low to this point, that you would pray that the Lord would, would open your eyes, that he would, as it even says, that you know, it is good for a man that, that, that he should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. That you would seek him that he would become your portion. For Jeremiah could not have hope if the Lord was not his portion. We cannot have hope lest the Lord be our portion. And it is in his son. And in accepting this free gift. That we too might experience this hope. And that we would understand that this message, you know, life, we do not preach this prosperity gospel. Life has its challenges. Life brings travail, fear, bereavement. But in God and in Christ, we find our refuge. We find that he is our salvation and that he is good and he is faithful and let us bring all of this to bear and recall to our minds all that we know of him his character his goodness and all that he has done bring that to bear that we too can have hope May we come to this saving grace and trust in our Lord and Savior as it is a warning to the unbeliever and to even if you believe but you do not profess as even the devils believe. It is a warning certainly to those who have not made right and it is an encouragement to the believer that even in the hopelessness and despair that often comes in life. If you haven't experienced it, it's going to come. That even in those times, God is sovereign. He is in control of our life. 
and he is gracious. May God bless his word to our hearts.